Welcome to Italia Mia, the podcast which brings you all things Italian, interviews with Italians from all walks of life, recipes, news from Italy, and more. We're sponsored by the Sons and Daughters of Italy in America and the Grand Lodge of New York. I'm your host, Louisa. Well, I would venture to say that most of you are aware of the hill towns of Italy, those like Perugia and Todi and Assisi, all those beautiful medieval towns perched atop of mountains. And they are, they are, they're very alluring when you travel to Italy. What about all the other tiny villages, practically unknown to most travelers? Well, I wondered, what was it like living in one of those little villages? Well, today we're going to find out. Because I have with me today a gentleman, Mr. Alfonso Marzullo, who emigrated to the United States at the tender age of eight. And he has some stories to tell because he has a fantastic memory and because he's an interesting person. Welcome to Italia Mia. May I call you, um, do I have to call you Alfonso? No, you can call me Al. Al. Okay, Al, how are you today? Very well, Louisa. Thank you, thank you for having me on on your podcast. No, it, it's our pleasure, really. And I think I really have not talked to anybody from one of those villages. Of course, my ancestry lies in Basilicata and one of those little towns there. Uh, but I've never really spoken to anyone on the podcast who's from there. And you came here when you were eight years old. Uh, correct. Uh, from uh, province of uh, Avellino, Quaglietta. Quaglietta. Quaglietta, Avellino. And it means, Quaglietta means little quail. Little quail. I don't know the actual origin of anything besides that. You know, I was eight, so you have to forgive me. <laughs> Not at all. I attempted to find out, you know, why the town was uh, named Quaglietta. And I thought, because that means little quail. And I yeah. thought perhaps, you know, they would hunt for quail, but uh, uh, Al yeah, tells yeah. me no. <laughs> no. But uh, uh, going back, like I said, you know, my grandparents and, and, and mom and dad also, they, uh, the town basically was uh, just a, a, a resort town for one of the uh, Roman kings because in the caves as a kid, I traveled through those caves, you know. Uh, my parents' homes were literally down at the bottom of the valley, yeah, huh? I always used to see artifacts in there. I've never thought of anything of it, you know, as a child. But uh, it'd be interesting to, to look into it further one day and see, you know, where the origin of that name really comes from. Yeah, really. It's, it's really intriguing. Uh, actually, now, Quaglietta is, is a hamlet, which is called Un Frazione, and it's right. located in the province of Avellino in the region of Campania. And it's close to the Pincenti mountain range in front of the Sele River, which divides the province of Salerno and Avellino. And it's uh, near the town of Sant'Angelo dei Lombardi. And that town was severely damaged by the earthquake of 1980. Um, I visited Sant'Angelo in 1982 to write a story for our Long Island newspaper. And I was really amazed. The devastation was still evident and I imagine that um, Quaglietta suffered as well. Uh, yes, Quaglietta.
Vista was uh, heavily, heavily damaged. Uh, and most of the homes there are probably five, 600 years old. And um, my dad had gone back to pick up my aunts and uncles from Italy after the earthquake because their homes were very badly, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I'm trying to think of it as a word. Uh, they were, uh, they weren't, uh, the ground was unsettled. Right, know, right. They the, the, the had cracks in the walls. Mm-hmm. And you're, most of Europe, even in the 1980s, uh, uh, they were literally, you know, backwards farmers, as I call them still today. You know, that uh, uneducated, most of them, kind of sad, and basically just uh, poor farmers. So my my dad went and got my aunt and uncle out of there, so at least they would be safe in America for right. those four or five months that they stayed here with us. Were there many farms in Corlietta as you were growing up? Do you recall? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was your yeah. Fa- did your family have a farm? Uh, we had a farm. Uh, my dad, uh, at uh, the early, late 60s, actually, before he emigrated to America, he was a tobacco and tomato farmer. Ah, oh, yes. My grandfather was uh, tomatoes and potatoes. Uh, our region over there, down in the valley, the weather's fairly warm over the years. Yeah, over the years. So really, the, it, agriculturally, oh, excuse me, you you have a lot more opportunities to have a better crop. It's not cold. We I don't recall any snow until I came to America. Uh-huh. I never had snow as a child. Oh, really? So, but uh, yeah, my dad, my uh, my parents were basically tobacco and tomato farmers to to sustain a, uh, uh, some quality of life. You know, even though as uh, uh, poor as they were. Yeah. I'm thinking, you, when you think of Italy, you don't think tobacco at all. In other words, I mean, uh, growing tobacco. Yeah, well, you know. that was my dad's doing. You know, I, I remember him talking about it in the, uh, the 10, 12 years ago when, you know, the, uh, uncles and aunts reminisce. And my dad had gone up north and he had spoken to tobacco manufacturers trying to bring more agriculture into the, these small little towns because, you know, during the winter, there's really nothing to do. Right. And the harvest are few and far, and you have to literally, you know, where do you go for work? Right, right. And the crops that were being planted up north was tobacco. Uh-huh. And uh, he decided that in order to make the the town itself, you know, a lot of the farmers started growing something a little more profitable, which was tobacco. Uh-huh. And that's where they, they went that direction. I mean, oh. I, w- I wish that my dad was alive, Louisa. You could speak to him. You would have a blast with him. Oh, but I'm sure. He's not with us. That's unfortunate, of course. Well, as I told everyone early on, you left uh, Corlieta when you were eight years old. Yeah, uh, do you re- child. Yeah, and do you recall the impact it had on you? I mean, you left, I'm uh, sure. I was devastated. I lost all my friends. You know, at, right. at eight, you know, you may think that... Uh, you rebound real quick, you know, your parents think that you just come over, and but it's really, really harsh. You know, uh, coming to America, a new country, uh, half my cousins in America, I didn't know any of them at that time, even yeah. though they were related to me. Even my grandmother, my, my dad's mom, I had no recollection of her until I came to America. My grandfather, because uh, they left in 1962, 63, so I was two years old. So basically, ninety percent of my Italian family was in America, and I knew no, I had no knowledge of any of them. But that that was okay. But you know, the education-wise, you know, I, it was overwhelming. You know, going to school for the first time, you know, in Queens, 
walking to school. Think about that. Walking to school, eight years old, and not even knowing what was in front of you. And, you know, you know looking back, my gosh, you know, it's like, how, how the heck did I do it? But we did. Well, I want to ask you, um, the adjustment that you had to make when you arrived in the United States, as far as school was concerned, you only spoke Italian, correct? A hundred percent, only Italian, absolutely zero words, really? zero words in English. And what was your relationship with the fellow classmates? Do you recall that? Uh, in the beginning, uh, I actually had two classmates. I had a Carmine and Anthony. And, and uh, Italiani. Nearby, and they had emigrated to America. One was, I believe, he was 64, 1965. So he, he was in my age, of course, uh, uh, third grade. And he spoke more uh, English, of course, than I did. But his Italian was still relatively there because the parents did speak still Italian in the household. Right. So I had that. But after that, you know, Louisa, the first time I walked into the room, you just you can't even imagine wearing different clothes. Yeah. Uh, uh, basically, just, uh, I don't know, an alien, let's put it that way. You know, totally <laughs> an outcast of, in every position, every. Oh. Because the Italian schools are one different, you know, everybody goes in, they're all dressed in their mock, you know, like a, like a, a dress skirt almost. Yeah. And they all have the same color, boys and girls. We all wore blue. Here, everyone is different. You oh, know, you just brought out an important your point. different over there. You combed your hair. You Here, you walked in. You looked like a slob. You didn't. <laughs> so, but the, the, they didn't, not that they didn't accept me, but th there was nothing in common, you know, so it's hard to even relate to anything. But you brought up a, an interesting thing, because I recall um, when I was in Italy at one point, I uh, went to a school, and all the children were dressed alike. Yes. Yeah. Very yeah. much, and that's very much, you know, like the Amish people. They all right. dress alike. Well, I, I was considered more like a Catholic school. It felt like that, you know. All yeah. the girls had beautiful dresses, and the boys had slacks. But but uh, here we had basically everybody wore like a dress shirt almost, you know, uh -huh. going over. I have a photo of me, and I guess it was in third grade or second grade, and we all looked the same. And I was like, wow, how weird, you know, it's going <laughs> yeah. back 50 years. You, you know, you look at the faces. We all look alike. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of cute, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, as a child, every the boys. I mean, first of all, let me uh, make make you laugh a little bit. The the school I came from had only four grades. Oh. Okay. Total amount of students that attended were no more than probably 25, 30. So Are my, you talking about the United my, States or Italy? Grade, I believe, if I'm correct, I could probably look up the photo later. Maybe nine, ten kids in the class. This was in Italy? In Italy, right. Oh. So it was second grade, third grade, fourth grade, and fifth grade. First grade was done at, um, at uh, what do you call it? Um, the nuns had first grade. And they would be at uh, the nuns. We had a nuns quarters there where they fed... Um, a lunch, and they also helped some homeless families, you know, they needed food. Oh. And then second, third, and fourth, and fifth grade went to that school, and that was it. Then high, uh, junior high went to a different town altogether. Mm -hmm. Remember, the population, like I told you before, when I was growing up, was 250 people. So... And now uh, what? I wonder what... many kids and 250 people if you have adults and children. Yeah. I wonder what it is today. 
Yeah, the last one I saw was 400-something back in 2011. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's probably in that range. It hasn't, you know, of course, during the summer it's 4,000, and during the winter it's nothing. <laughs> yeah, correct, correct. Well, I've looked at some of the pictures, and, of course, you can see that many of the um, the buildings, I should say buildings, but, they, you know, they're centuries old, but I can 100%. see, you know, that they have renovated. They've done a lot to the town. Yeah, well, they had to because, uh, like I said, after the earthquake, it was so heavily devastated. We never had uh, roads for cars either. The the cars basically were basically adapted to to squeeze through these little narrow alleyways. Right. You know, and and till the I remember up and until eighty eight, there's still no main road that goes through my house. It's long uh, cobblestone uh, walkways right. where the cars basically try to fit through to, to get to that. Right. Otherwise, you leave the car up at the, plaza, at the piazza at the top of the hill, and you walk down to your home. Right. Do you recall, um, were there, was there a grocery store? Uh, yes. So we had uh, two or three grocery stores. My aunt, uh, my godmother, uh, uh, she had one up at the top of the hill, and... Uh, the ones around us, basically it was like two, three bars. Yeah. And you had a grocery store and you had uh, like a clothing store that had all these um, basic fabrics and stuff. And that was it, you know, but mostly it's like three, four bars if I recollect correctly. Oh, we had no to have a bar. No pizzerias, none of this, uh, you know, 7 Eleven. <laughs> no restaurants, no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I remember that um, being in Italy in my mother's town. Once a week, um, this huge van would come to the town, and it was laden with, with everything, with foodstuffs and uh, clothing right. and what have you. And because there was no, you know, no department stores, obviously, nothing. no other stores, nothing. And that's what they did. They purchased it from this van once a week. Yeah, they would come into town. We would have it on a Saturday most of the time. Uh, as a kid, I remember... And my dad was one of those vendors. He would go into neighboring towns with his little truck, and he would, you know, pick up uh, products from the neighboring towns, whether it be potatoes, onions, tomatoes, and he would put them on his truck, his little, uh, it looked like a scooter almost. Yeah, with, uh, yeah. And with a, with a flatbed in the back, and then him and my mom would go through these neighboring towns selling whatever, you know, they could to, to make a living. Mm-hmm. And did you, know, you, but, you? But it was minimal, you know. If you look back, you know, if they made two, three dollars for that day, they were grateful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was you so know, different. So that's the sad part, you know. And uh, one time, I, I remember that during the harvest that we used to get the figurine, you know, yeah. the prickly pears. Yes, yes. And my grandfather, my mom's dad, uh, we had a, a by the, on his land. He had must have had thousands of cactus pears, and um, he went there. And he picked them up and he put them in these crates on a donkey and he traveled them to the next towns where they would have a feast. And oh he would my. cut them over. And I still remember it was Dijalita for one figurine. Oh, and, my. You know, you look back, you're like, wow. And my grandfather, like I said, he packed them on, on his donkey, you know, two crates. And he set up a little uh, side stand uh, where, where the feast was. And there he would cut them open for the people. And literally, you know, hand them in your hand. Think about the health codes these days. And right. just hand them over to you for 10 cents or what, 10 cents. Right. A penny probably. Right. Yeah. And, and I remember that 
vividly, you know, like yesterday, like, you know, my grandfather put me on a donkey and traveling up the hill to the nearby town. Oh, what a memory you have. My goodness. Yeah, yeah and it's still, you know, it's like we talked about it. Yeah, and, you know, my grandfather was so proud, you know, because he was like, I made, I made three, four dollars today, you know, and oh, I did yeah. something good. Yeah. And yeah, today we, we snicker at that, like it's, uh, <laughs> so yeah. it's, uh, it's just, I don't know, we've just forgotten about it, I guess. And what about the work ethic that they had? Oh, 100%. Right. Think about somebody getting up three, four in the morning to do this, mm-hmm. you know, and coming home and late at night and just be thankful. Yeah, yeah. And you these know, people... They had, uh, what else? There was not, I grew up with no TV, no radio. Right. I didn't have any of these, uh, you know, forget cell phones and TVs and that. I had none of that. And, but you know what? I missed none of it either. I right. had friends. We played. We went. Well, that was we it. What, what did you do as it? That night, we, didn't, we weren't destructive, but we had a great time. Did you? Mm-hmm. What did you yeah. do for, what did you do for fun? Uh, we played stickball. We were in trees. We were, you name it, we did it. Uh-huh. You know, but you got to remember, I had five, six friends. That that was it. That was my nearby, you know, we would go onto their farms and play. We They'd come over my farm and play. Yeah, yeah. But that was it, you know. There's something. animals, of course. Mm-hmm. We had goats. I had goats and chickens. Did you? Uh, mm-hmm. my, my, my friend Rocco had, had the cows. Right. Cows and pigs. <laughs> and did your mom did your mom make you know food for the winter you know did you have yeah a, exactly yeah hundred percent uh huh okay and the tomatoes you you know they they, yeah, they jar the tomatoes and October yeah wine mm hmm mm hmm yeah lost art that little by little has vanished uh, with the younger generations yeah yeah and I think that's so unfortunate I really do yeah well today where it's all about you know progressing forward and I wonder really I wonder. How much progress we've made. You know, what our ancestors went through. Forget the travel abroad, you know, coming to a new country and doing this and that. And and then we laugh at them, you know, like, oh, you guys didn't even shower that often, you know, you call us, you know, all these weird names. Well, you know, if we had a shower, maybe we would have taken one. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you must have had a tub or something like that. Yeah, we had a tub. Right. My mom would warm up some water. By the fireplace, and yeah. you know, basically fill it up, and then yeah. took a bath. And that was but it. I, now that you mentioned that, I was thinking, where was my mother showering, or my dad? You know, you someplace where you couldn't watch, <laughs> and you're basically using a towel to, to yeah. wipe yourself. Like, yeah. What else do you have? You're right. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, for, for, it's just like I said, mind-boggling to think that you know, in fifty years. Yeah, you know, that, that was my childhood, you know, growing up and basically right. just nothing. And right. you were okay. I was fine with that. And that's I, what's more important. <laughs> yeah, and I think we talked about early on, um, we talked about superstitions. Um, Italians um, do have many superstitions. And you have one that you can recall. And it's quite a story. Would you like to share that? Yeah, I'll make you laugh uh, again, I guess. You know, I actually spoke to my sister after I spoke to you the other night. Yeah. And I had asked her if she remembered, and she did remember. And she, But she also remembered the other things, you know, with the women doing some weird spiritual thing. But my story was quite unique because I had sprained my ankle playing outside um, in Queens, in Corona, Queens. And uh, my parents, instead of bringing me to a doctor or to the hospital, they basically called uh, my father's aunt. 
and uh, told her what had happened, and uh, they brought me to the house. And, you know, they looked at my ankle, all swollen, I mean, I was in pain, couldn't walk on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the woman proceeds to break up rope, you know, shred the rope. She had a big bowl of rope, and she starts shredding it to, to basically uh, like a mesh. Yeah. And then she beats scrambled eggs, <laughs> and she dips it in. And she, my dad held me back as she straightened out my foot. You know, I guess they, they try to align the bones to right. make sure, you know, it sets properly. And then she proceeded to, to put the rope on my, on my ankle as a mesh. And then they, they put the eggs on it. Oh and then my. they wrapped it in, uh, in a cloth or whatever rags they had to make a, um, a cast, a cast uh-huh. in some form or other. And I basically missed, I think, about two, three weeks of school because oh. I couldn't go to school. I couldn't walk. Oh. And, you know, looking back, I'm like, holy crap, you know, it would have been that hard to go to the freaking doctor and get a cast and be done with it. And no, you bring me some uh, Indian witch lady here to, <laughs> to make this go better. But I, I guess, you know, financially, the, probably the money wasn't there to, right, right. to, to bring me there. I really, I wish, you know, <laughs> I wish I had an answer for you. That's quite a story. I, found it all, I still find it weird today. Yeah. And the smell still, uh, it lingers, huh? smell that uh, cast. Oh, God. That rotten, smelly egg cast. Oh, my. And you know what I'm going to do for you, Louise? And when I get a chance, my Aunt Almina, which is still alive, my dad's oldest sister, I'm going to ask her if this was a norm in Europe because I really got to get to the bottom of this because this is like, I think, uh, more witchcraft than anything else. Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you're uh, familiar with Carlo Levi and uh, the, the book "Christ Stopped at Eboli." Yeah, right. And it was a movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, I've been to the town. I've seen Carlo Levi's house and all of that. But when he uh, was exiled, you know, to um, Aliano, okay. In his book, he calls it Galliano because he's protecting the people. But, uh, yeah, but he refers to the witchcraft there. Oh, it was very prevalent, really. And the superstitions and, you know, among the... That's what it is. It's just, it's amazing. But you know what? If they know no better, what do you do? No, I mean, this is... You're in the middle of nowhere. You know, there's no doctors around. Who is helping you if you have these issues? You know, you go to some woman, a midwife. I was born by a midwife uh-huh. in my mom's bedroom. Oh, okay. You know, there was no doctor. My mom had a, a woman that had delivered other children in the area, and she came to assist my mom and also my sister, born upstairs in the bedroom. And what if they were in a medical emergency? What would uh, they do? Well, I guess you know the answer to that. <laughs> oh, I, I'm afraid to go there. Yeah, a lot of, uh, probably a lot of uh, women and, and children probably didn't survive. Kind I wonder. Of sad to think about it today, you know, all this modern stuff. But women, did they, they, did they go you know, to? Endured so much for nine months and then to lose a child or lose their life in giving birth. Well, did they travel to perhaps um, Avellino or Naples? Was it possible? No, the, the nearest hob- hospital was Eboli. Eboli? Yeah, Eboli. And well, that's quite had, a uh, distance. In Oliveto that opened up later on. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, but where's the ambulance, Louisa? Where's the ambulance? Where's the fire department? No, where's not there. any type of EMS? There's nothing in these towns as of today as I speak to you. You go to any of these towns and, God forbid, you get sick. What is happening to you? 
Well, these days, I mean, most people have uh, cars. Right, but they still have to drive you an hour oh, and yes. five minutes away to a hospital. Oh, yes, that's true. That's you know, very true. My grandfather, unfortunately, passed away in his uh, in his house. He had a massive heart attack, and, and he died right there. Yeah. You know, with no assistance from anybody, because what? They don't know what to do. Oh, it's just, it, it's yeah, sad, well, it's, it's poignant, sad, it's very, very. I still think today, if you go to these neighboring towns, the small little towns, two, 3,000 people, you, you probably uh, better be prepared. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You better be prepared, because I don't think there's anything that's going to help you, you know, if you do get sick. Mm-hmm. Well, when you think of that, I mean, when you think about the immigration, okay, back in the um, the 1800s, those people that came here, I mean, you have to have such such respect and admiration for them. Oh, 100%, yes. To, to, to literally travel across oceans for weeks. What was you it know, like for you? And just, you know, to a foreign land, no language, no family. Oh, my gosh. How it's did you a, feel? I can't even, like, <laughs> I can't even think about it. But there you are at eight years of age, you know, eight years old, and you're on a ship bound for you don't know where, okay? Yeah. What do you remember? What it felt like? The thoughts that went through uh, your in head. The first couple of days, um, I, I had. Um, it was my mom, my aunt, my father's sister, and her husband, and two kids: my cousin Mario, my and my cousin Anna, and my sister Antonella. And that was it, you know. But we played amongst each other. But we would sit by the and look at oceans, you know, literally day and night, day and night. You know, it never changed. And. All I remember the first time is that when we forget the Statue of Liberty, we pulled into the harbor, and you see these massive buildings, literally things that I have never seen in my life before. Right. And I know I'm the oldest now at eight. You could recollect, you know, just looking at these things, like forget brown eye and bushy tail, just startled. You know, for the first time, I was like, oh my gosh, where are we? Where are we? Where are we going? Was you know? it frightening to you, or was it exciting? Uh, it was frightening, uh-huh. frightening because uh, there was no, you know, looking back any further, you know, so, and then when we, when we docked, my dad was waiting downstairs, you know, as you come off the boat, and, and, and when the funny part is we had all these massive uh, uh, chests that my mom had packed, you know, with, not with clothes and all that stuff, but you had liquor, you had cheese, you had every. Every crazy imaginable thing oh. in, in these crates, you know that. And, they brought. And what's the funny part is, you know, you, you come to America now, <laughs> and my dad's waiting there. He brings us to an apartment on on 104th Street and uh, 46th Avenue in Corona. The first night sleeping in a room that literally it's like mind-boggling. You went from nothing, literally nothing, dirt, dirt floors, and I walk in. There's a TV. My dad had purchased the TV. Oh, we had a refrigerator. my goodness! I, you know, a bathroom with a light. Not that I didn't have a bathroom, <laughs> but <laughs> I had a shower. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and it was just funny. Just you know, it's going from a bed with. Uh, uh, made out of uh, corn husks and some right. gosh knows what the heck they stuffed them with. Yeah. And I had a nice soft bed, but it was, it was definitely different. Definitely Absolutely, different. yeah. Have you ever returned to Qualietta? I've been there four times pre- uh, since then. Oh, have you? Yes, and, I went in 73, 79, uh, 80. And what changes 
Did you? What changed the first couple of years? Not really much. I mean, mm-hmm. my aunts were still alive then. My mom's side was still there. And uh, basically, everything was still the same. Really? Just, they got a little older. You know, The there was really nothing. Up until after the earthquake, then things changed a little bit because they modernized a little more. You had right. more uh, availability for the youngsters there. But most of my friends that I grew up with, they're, most of them are in America. And the ones that are not in America are either up north or they're in Germany, Switzerland, because that's where they left when they left these small little towns right. to, to look for work. Right. They, wouldn't, they didn't want to be farmers like their parents with no money, no, no prosperity. Yeah. So they left. They were, they were little. Why did we come to America? Because it was so great over there, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, so and what? that's what changed. When, when I went back the last time, it was in 88 now, my, uh, I had gotten married a couple of years prior, and it was so different. You know, now you're an adult looking at things in a certain way. Yes, and yes. like, well, I miss some things like the feast, the say Rocco, Mount Carmel, but after, after the hoopla's over with, it goes back to a, a sleepy old town again. I, I'm yeah. glad you brought up feast because that was something that I didn't want to talk about. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Um, how how many feasts were there in that village, and and how? Uh, we had two. We had Saint Rocco and uh, Mount Carmel. Uh huh. And that occurred maybe once a year. Yeah, once a year. Well, uh, July. Don't quote me on. I, all I know is Saint Rocco is August sixteenth. The Mount uh, Mount uh, Carmel, Madonna uh, del Carmen is oh my gosh, I would say July, July twentieth, uh-huh. twenty yeah, seventh. Yeah. My father would kill me. His name is Carmine, but, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> forgive him. He that we had in our hometown. Uh huh. And that was and we had singers, and uh, you know, it would be basically a two, three day event. It was really nice. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever at the end of the night? It was nice. Did you have an opportunity? Did your family have an opportunity to perhaps go to Naples or any? Uh, my. My dad had been to Naples quite a few times. I had only been to this place called um, Massa Lubrenza, which my uncle comes from. And uh, there they grew lemons. It's like Sorrento area. Uh-huh. That's as close to Naples as I've been. Uh-huh. Oh, one thing that um, I recall you saying, that um, there was you, you were near, near a river or a brook, so that uh, fishing was yeah. quite common, you right? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's where fresh trout came through the stream, you know. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah I bet that was a gift. Yeah, for local guys, you know, the my dad, the uncles, they all had, you know, little fishing spots where they had some fish to, to, to basically for food. Yeah. You know, they would go down to the river and catch some fish. Yeah. Was pasta a big thing in your household? Uh, no, there was the religion. <laughs> oh? Seven days a week, twice a day, probably, <laughs> if they could. Yeah, pasta, pasta, pasta. Yeah, yeah. But we still love it. We still I love know, it. I know, I know, but I, being a diabetic, i got to be careful. Oh, yes, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, my dad wanted his uh, linguine and his ziti, mostly ziti. It was like, he, and he had to have the lines on the ziti. Without the lines, he would make it fit <laughs> like a child. Really, really? Yeah. And I'll bet yeah, your mom... The pasta without the lines uh, were no, were, didn't taste as well because the sauce didn't stick to it. It didn't stick to it. <laughs> and I'll bet and your... pounds of cheese on top of it, no less. Of course, of course. 
And I guess your mom made homemade pasta, I would yeah, imagine. Oh, my mom's homemade tagliatelle. Mom, I miss him. Oh. <laughs> my kids, the only unfortunate partner, they were too young when she passed away. Yeah. Um, she didn't really, you know, pass that, that, that trade on. Oh. They tried. My oldest, Amanda, has tried doing it. Uh, yeah. Successfully okay, but, you know, not like mom. No. Not, no, it's never like mom's. Yeah. No. Mom did it by hand, kneaded the dough by That's hand. That's right. Old broomstick as a... That's right. As, what do you call it? Uh, what do they call the thing? Oh, my God. The, the, the wheel there. The, the wheel? Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the... Well, you probably have a dialect term for it that yeah, I'm not familiar with. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Because you used a broom, believe it or not. It was a broom. A broom, yeah, oh, sure, done. yeah. And she yeah. Made it, he made it approximately maybe two feet long. Right. So she could roll out the dough on, a, on the kitchen table. Right. You know, they didn't right. have a wood bench like today. It was a kitchen table that she would put the flour on, and then she would roll it out. A yeah. rolling pin, Christ almighty. <laughs> Oh, of course, the rolling pin. <laughs> yeah, a rolling pin. Well, you know, you're thinking about it in Italian, and then uh, the English yeah. word escapes you. But uh, it was a rolling pin made out of an old broom and, uh, you know, the handle, and then my dad cut it. And then because my mom didn't like the American ones, they were too fat. Oh, yeah, handles, yeah, handles, yeah. Uh, I guess bearings on the outside that they would spin. Uh -huh. She didn't like that. She liked the manual one where she could, and especially for the fazili. She enjoyed making them super thin with that, and then, you know, with a fork, she would make them, uh, you know, the shape that they are. And no matter who they were, where they came from, they were all experts at making the pasta. 100%. My yeah, Lord, it was back. just... I, mean, I, I give her credit, you know, uh, basic necessities, but uh, she, she could turn them a quick meal real quick. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's if right. I can say something, Louise, I'll make you laugh a little bit, you and your fans out there. The f uh, first couple of days in America, and uh, my mom had, uh, basically the first two days we ate at my grandmother's house, and uh, the next couple of days we were home. Now, my dad had gone to work, and my mom was cooking, and she's looking all over the, the cabinets, you know, whatever my dad had purchased, that's what she knew about. She didn't know anything else. And uh, she starts cooking, and she's going to make pasta for us, me and my sister. And she can't locate any sauce anywhere. She, she has no idea how to use a telephone. Think about that for a moment. A 33-year-old woman, no clue how to even use a telephone. Oh, my. Well, well think about it. Yeah. You know, my yeah. dad had ordered, we had a phone in the living room. My, my mother doesn't know any of the phone numbers, and even if she did, how do you dial out? How do you do 718 or 221? Yeah, yeah, right. You know? Right. So there's no one to call. So she looks through the cabinets and she finds nothing. So in the refrigerator, there was two bottles of ketchup. Oh, no, don't tell me. Oh, yes, I will tell you. <laughs> and my mom proceeds to start with the garlic, you know, and the, and the oil. And then she can't get the ketchup out. And she's beating it on the bottle. And she's cursing every saint in the book because she's like, what am I doing in this land? I can't oh. even make tomatoes, you know, Italian. Uh, yeah. It's so funny. And all I remember is... She, she ended up getting like, um, what do they call it? Uh, not, a, not, a, not a stick, but more like a skewer. She had some kind of stick inside the, um, the, the kitchen cabinet, and she pulled it out little by little, finally the ketchup starts rolling out. And, you know, she, she said, oh, she tasted it. It was so terrible, but she kept cooking it. <laughs> like a good mom, kept cooking it until, you know, yeah. it was time for lunch. And I was the first one to eat it. Of course, my face at eight years old, <laughs> I spit it out. 
and a quick backhand to the back of the head. Oh. You know, you better eat now before I, you know. Or you don't eat at all. I, I, of course, didn't eat it. I got up and ran out. My sister got another beating also because she was, had that quick left hand. <laughs> and uh, I turned around. I said, Ma, we can't eat it. It's disgusting. You know, oh. Italian. No, it yeah. smells. It boots. It boots. <laughs> and so my mom finally puts the, the pasta to her mouth. And she spits it out. Oh. <laughs> and she starts crying over the sink. Oh. You know, saying, oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. What am I going to do? Oh, the poor do? lady. So then... Of course, a couple hours went by. My mom made pasta again. Just We just had pasta with cheese and butter. And that was it. We were fine. Yeah. My dad come home, and my mom is screaming at him, you know, from the minute he walks through the door. And my dad's like, what the heck are you yelling at? What's the matter? She goes, this is, this is tomato sauce. I can't cook with this. Goes, That's ketchup. He goes, what's ketchup? Are yeah, right. Oh. <laughs> Oh, so my dad opens up the, the cabinets above the kitchen stove, and there they were, you know, all these cans of tomato sauce. Oh. Tomato sauce. He goes, I saw a tomato on there. She goes, well, but that's not, what are oh. you doing with this? She goes, you put it on meat. Oh, my God. No, no. <laughs> oh, the poor lady. Oh, that's, that's yeah, precious. Uh, she didn't do it a lot, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, you know, we, uh, what kids, as you know, we become educated, you know, even at eight, nine years old, your language skills come really quick to you. And your parents are struggling with simple phrases. Right. Less, you know, because wherever they're working, they're, most of the time they're working in Italian. Right? My dad was a dishwasher at Manganero Hero Boy in, in Manhattan. Right. My mom didn't work for the first, I guess, year or two. How many siblings did you so have? Where, where are you learning the English language? If you're working with Italians or you're staying home with your, your fellow, you know, paisans. But Al, how many siblings did you have? Uh, just my sister, that's it. Oh, that's it. That's unusual. Yeah, you know. that was it, just my sister. But I had my cousins. Yeah. You know, and we were, like I said, we were all in that same age group. And I had cousin Mike and cousin uh, Joey. Uh, they were English-speaking, so it was easier to, to, to learn the language around them, which was nice. Oh, I'm saying that you you had told me that your father had emigrated much before you did, right? Yeah, about so, a year before us, correct. Okay, okay. Yeah. My, and that's another thing, that when you think of uh, the people who immigrated, they left families behind. Uh, yeah. For instance, my father came here by himself. He left yeah. his brother, his sister, his mother... And, but, I mean, he was a young man, but still, that's, uh, that's oh, heartbreaking. It's, it's, it's a journey, you know, to, to betterment of the next group that comes after you yeah. in any way possible, which is nice, you know, think about it. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, you know, we all think of ourselves, and that's it, not what's going on around us, or anything, just me, 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 yeah. me. And then when you think about somebody, like you said, you take them from a little town of nothing, and you bring them into this country, and you say, okay... Make me proud. Right. Grow, you and know, you forms, did that. Uh, and you did buy that. Buy houses, buy real estate, do this, do that. That's and right. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy how far we've come in such a short period of time. That's why sometimes, you know, I look at the Spanish and the Mexicans, a uh, problem that we have. Let me tell you, America is made of everyone. And I wish people would just learn to accept these things little by little and understand that Absolutely. we all come from nothing, basically. Absolutely. We're all so immigrants give here. Give people the opportunity to show what they really are and who they are. Right. Because it is beautiful to, to get along with everybody. Absolutely. You said it. Well, one last question for you, Al. Sure. 
What are your lasting memories of growing up in Qualietta? Certainly there are some things that never leave your memory. Uh, the basic things that if I tell you, you probably laugh, but sitting on a tree eating figs. Oh. And I'm talking not one or two, probably getting sick to my stomach. <laughs> Those are the things that I, I, as a child, I cherish till this day. It's like, I, it's it's the smell of your uh, the house when you walk in with uh, with the pasta and fresh sausage cooking. Oh. Uh, those are the memories. It's like the feast. The feast is what I really miss. Those couple of days that you, as a child, you would go around to all your aunts and uncles. You would get a couple of liras so you can buy a gelato. And it was sort of, that's what you really miss, you know? All right. Okay. That, that, that little, that closeness, that's what it is. That closeness, everybody, there was no crime. Think about that. No crime. Nobody hated anybody. I mean, I'm sure they did, but. Yeah. But, uh, but, but it, it didn't translate the way. The lasting memories are always hanging out on a tree. And I can still see myself on that tree on my farm, my dad's farm, and just sitting there and eating. And we had apricots, I had pears, peaches, but on the fig tree, I could eat hundreds of figs. Oh, yeah, so could I. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it's still this day, I still, that's all I come forward to is like September and August when they come out. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, well, my parents would travel to Italy when it was fig season. Can you believe that? I don't blame them. Yeah. They got it right. That's it. They had to go when they there was fig. They yeah. love that. Yeah, Italians. It's funny. People like have lasting memories. Just eating figs. Eating figs, fresh figs. It's like, uh, it was just, I don't know. It's then, a, like I said, most of the times the uh, the experiences at eight are minimal. You know? Yeah. yeah I, I, you think of little stupid things that happened to you. You know, like I, I had um, fallen one time. I cracked my head open. I remember that vividly still. <laughs> oh, dear. But after that, it's minimal stuff that, you know, hits your head. You know, the slaughtering of a pig. Right, right. You know, that, those are the experiences that you recollect vividly sometimes. Like, oh, my gosh, you know, we were like barbaric here when we did these things, you know. But Not at all. Not at no, all. I know, you lived off the land. Then, you know, you're, you're afraid to say that in class. You know, like, your parents killed the pig, you know. Oh, <laughs> no, of course, of course. You looked at askance, of course. Oh, yeah, we were already crazy. You know, we had all these cultures and religions, and uh, and then, you know, Americans uh, don't accept uh, a lot of these things, you know. They're yeah. butter and jelly here, you know. Yeah, because they're <laughs> alien to them. They have no conception of it. But uh, these, are, none. these are beautiful things. Well, you've shed a lot of light on what it's like to come to the United States, especially at such a, a young age. And, uh, you know, we can really, you do a picture for us, actually. That's what you did. You do a picture for that, us. Louisa. No, so it's nice true. To talk to you about this. I mean, any time you feel you want, you, we <laughs> don't have to do it on the radio or on the podcast. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Thank you yeah, so, so hopefully much. Hopefully, we get over this uh, crazy uh, pandemic that we're currently under, and we can go back to our little hometowns and uh, oh yes, our memories. That's what you. I'm. That's what I'm and looking look forward to. Maybe bring my kids there, and they'll appreciate what I went through. Hopefully, they appreciate it. Well, that is something you have to do. Yes. Uh, well, I, I pray every day, like I said, that this ends, because as I get older, that's the one destination I got to keep going back to. Oh, okay then. To back to Italy. Well, I thank you so much, Al. It was very enjoyable. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Louisa. Thank mm. you so, so much. Yeah. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Al Marzullo, he gave us a look into what it was like 
growing up in a tiny medieval village and coming here at the age of eight, what it was like. So you just um, multiply that by millions of other people who came here and you can understand the motivation they had to come to a better land and how they survived and how they made it work. Well, salute to all those wonderful immigrants that came to the United States. We are so proud of them. Well, actually, we're proud to be Italians. And that's the show for today. Ciao, everyone.